morning. And by way of review, we're going to look at a few things we uh, talked about last week because we have to set the context. And um, So Leviticus chapter 27, let's begin reading in verse 1 again, please. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When a man make, shall make a singular vow, the person shall be for the Lord by thy estimation. And the estimation shall be of a male from 20 years old unto uh, 16 years old, even thy estimation shall be 50 shekels of silver after the shekels of the sanctuary. I want to just stop there and have a word of prayer, and uh, then we'll remind ourselves some of the stuff that we saw last week and move forward, all right? So let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, already you have reminded me that uh, I have a feeble human brain. The Lord can't even read my own writing this morning. But Father, I thank you that your word is not dependent upon me or anyone else in this world. Father, it is your truth, and I'm so thankful for that. But I ask, Lord, that you would uh, give me clarity in uh, sharing the truth this morning. Lord, not to hinder anything that you would have for us today. And so, Father, thank you again that uh, the Holy Spirit is the teacher. He is the one that guides us in the truth. So, Lord, we ask your blessing. Lord, I thank you that not only did you make a way for our sins to be forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice, but Lord, you also gave us the privilege and the ability to serve you. And Lord, we are also so thankful for that. But Lord, there are some conditions and we've been learning it. So Father, thank you for allowing us to be involved in your work. But Father, help us to understand the importance and the commitment that's involved with that. So Lord, just bless this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We'll get right to the slides here this morning. Last week, and again, part number two, what is it worth to you? And we just read that verse. If someone is going to make a vow, a singular vow, and we look through slide number one, is we, it doesn't mean singular versus plural. That word singular means difficult, great, hard, hard exceptional, marvelous promise. If you are going to do something for the Lord, if you're going to make a commitment, uh, you know, a major commitment for, for the Lord, it is going to cost you something. Okay, that is what the key is. If a person makes this kind of commitment, it will cost them. And we just read it. We didn't need to read all the details again about how much it costs each person for how old they are. Or, uh, but the issue is, if you are going to serve the Lord, contrary to what sometimes we think in our culture today, for example, you walk in and say, Pastor, I'd like, to, uh, I'd like to start teaching a Sunday school class. Good, it's going to cost you $30 a week to do that. You had to pay the temple to, for the right to serve, which is completely different than what we think because we as Americans have been, not just Americans, but Western society have been trained Bless me, I dare you. What am I going to get out of the situation? Okay, that's been the issue for many years. Okay, 
This is teaching us, after all the blessings we've seen through this entire book, and even last chapter, if you remember, God says, listen, if you do what I've asked you to do, there's an abundance of blessings. If you don't, don't expect the blessing. We have a choice to serve him. And then he follows it up and says, but if you serve, you're going to have to cost. And I gave this example. Go ahead, next slide. Um, what is the amount that you would give to serve God? And remember this amazing passage. And again, if we think our God is worthy and he's done such amazing things for us what shall i render of the, uh, unto the lord for all his benefits toward me as much as god's done for us what can i give to the lord right and i use these examples well, with this one of course this verse probably quote this several times this morning i beseech ye therefore brethren by the mercies of god that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto god what is it going to how much are you willing to give? What, what cost are you willing to pay for the opportunity to serve God? That's what this is all about. God went through this whole book of Leviticus talking about the priesthood and what can happen in the temple and how God's people can serve him. And then he says, now that you want to serve, good. Fork it over. You have to pay to the priest for the right to be able to serve. It's going to cost you something. Now, next slide. We said this. Uh, we clearly see this concept being taught today. Everyone's focusing on what's in this for me, but this is emphasizing God's cost to serve him. Okay, not a cost to get what you're going to cost just for you to be able to do something for the Lord. You had to be willing to pay a cost. Now, I uh, said, I don't know if I put this on the next slide or not, but yeah, there we go. How would you feel if uh, every Sunday morning we charge 10 bucks a person to come in and hear us preach? Now, I tell you right now, most of the churches around the country are probably empty out. Oh, just to walk in the door, there's a cover charge, 10 bucks. But do you believe that getting together with God's people and hearing the Word of God taught is important? Then isn't that something you'd be willing to sacrifice? Okay, we, we mentioned this, but I'll tell you what, that's contrary to what Americans believe, isn't it? But that's exactly what this chapter is saying. This chapter is saying, listen, if a man wants to come and make a good vow and serve the Lord, it's going to cost you 50 shekels of silver. Just to make that commitment to God, you had to show how serious you were by committing something. Big time. And uh, I have an answer to your question from last week, Joyce, next week, about a shekel. Well, there's, there's, there's more to it than that. I looked into it a little bit more because there's something, it's defined as the shekel of the sanctuary. So there's something specific about that, but I'll get back to that. But it was going to cost something. So everybody knew if I was a male from this age to this age and I wanted to serve God, I had to come forth and drop 50 shekel at the tabernacle and that showed God that I was willing to sacrifice and serve him. Completely opposite. What's the second point in here? Uh, what if we, hey, we're doing a discipleship training next month. Uh, we're starting it up and teaching all of us the ability to take a younger believer and help them grow in the faith. It's going to cost you 200 bucks to enroll in that. Well, how dare you charge me? How dare you not be willing to offer God something that's worth something to you? Because if you're going to serve God, it's going to cost now again, please, I'm not telling you 
uh, that we're looking to boost the church's bank account by charging everybody money to get in here, all right? That is not what we're saying at all. But God is trying to remind us that this idea of what's in it for me has never been the heart attitude of a servant of God. The heart attitude of the servant of God is, I don't care, Lord, Lord if it costs me everything, I'm in. And we're going to see that more today. So this is all by review. These slides are duplicates of what we showed last week. All right, so next part. We have how much is it going to cost to go out to eat, to go to a movie, to go miniature golf, to get a coffee and a donut. But we would whine about charging 10 bucks to come into church on a Sunday morning. Priorities. Anyway, okay, next one. Here we go today. So, if you wanted to serve, if you wanted to involve yourself in service of the tabernacle, it costs you. It also costs you if you wanted to have a beast involved. Now, you think that's a weird term for us in our culture today. We don't think about it, but look look at verse 9 if you would. That's where we're picking up for this morning. And if it be a beast, whereof a man bring the offering unto the Lord, all that any man giveth of such unto the Lord shall be holy. So, let's break this down just for a minute. How many of you uh, have a bunch of beasts at home? Okay. I, I, I grew up, I grew three of them in my house, but they've all moved out since. But, um, no, this idea, just so we understand what this is about, this is talking about how you make a living. This is talking about your business. Okay, back in those days, your, the animals you owned are what helped you to survive. You would plow fields with them. You would even, to the point where blacksmiths and others, you use these beasts to produce your daily living. Okay, this is talking about your business. This is talking about your, um, your employment. All right, you with me so far? So what is God saying? Uh, if there's something that's involved, not just you as a person, but of your finances and your business and, and all those things, if you're going to offer that to the Lord, it becomes holy. But there's some cool stuff about this I want us to see. Number one, it represents our business. The beast is how you made your living. Okay, The uses of beasts were for God's service. Remember, the, the Levites and the tabernacle, they didn't have a piece of land. They had several cities, but they didn't have a piece of land. Okay, They had to depend on it. So if you were going to let one of the priests have an oxen, to be able to do labor for them. That's what we're talking about. So you would turn over some of your specific business to them. And you think, that sounds weird. Um, Down through the years, and maybe some in this church, because I've never really poked and brought it into some finance, but there have been believers who have started business for the express purpose of supporting missions and the gospel on the field. I've known folks that have been very wealthy, didn't need to work anymore. But they committed to the Lord that they would start small businesses so that the profits for those businesses could go so that the gospel could reach out around this world. They had committed 100% that this business is solely for raising money for God's work. Okay, and that's happened often, many times. Some of us blue-collar folk don't even own our own business. But the issue is, it's not just God yourself that God wants. Remember we talked about this in offering offerings to the Lord. God wants you, not just what you have in your pocket, not just your bank account. He wants you. 
So God's saying, listen, okay, if you weren't actually going to go to the tabernacle and serve, but you were going to offer something that was part of your daily living, your business, your employment unto the tabernacle, you could do that as well. All right, you with me so far? So God gives some stipulations. It's not just, remember last week we spoke about this was not buying yourself out of work. This was just the opposite. See, in our country, and I said this last week too, um, we'll pay somebody to come and mow our lawn. We'll pay somebody to come clean our house. We'll pay somebody to, that's not what this was. You weren't giving money for somebody else to do it. You were giving money for the privilege for you to be able to do it. Now God's saying, listen, not only that, but if it's part of your business and you're committing 10, 20, 30, 40, 80, 90% of what your business profits are would be going to God's ministry. That's what this is discussing, all right? So when he says, listen, you got a beast that you want to offer, you want got something in your life that you want to serve with. Let's go to the next slide. No exchanges, verse 10. You need to keep your vow. Notice what verse 10 says. Ye shall not alter it or change it, a good for a bad or a bad for a good. If ye shall change the beast for a beast, then the exchange thereof shall be holy. So I want, I'll focus on the second half in a minute. Um, if you make a vow, don't change it. Now to give you an understanding culturally what we're talking about, what if all of a sudden I had uh, four oxen and I decide I want to give one of those to the tabernacle? for God's use for the priests and for that. And I find out after I've given it that that winds up being the strongest oxen that I've owned. Or one of the other three gets sick and dies. Or just gets sick and mangy and weak. And I say, oh, um, I gave the best one to the tabernacle. Uh, Can we make an exchange? I've got this wonderful sort of, yeah, I know he's a little thin. It'll be fine. There's no exchanges. It wasn't that you looked at it and said, oh, well, uh, I guess the tabernacle got the good one. I want him back. When you vow a vow, you keep your vow. Okay, and that's the important part. That's where this verse comes in. If any man vow a vow unto the Lord or swear an oath to bind his soul with a bond, he shall not break his word, he shall do according to that proceedeth out of his mouth. I said before many times that uh, I wish we lived in a country that doesn't need so many lawyers. That when you used to shake hands with someone, it meant something. Well, God says, listen here, if you make a promise, this kind of pledge, if you're going to commit to something, you better keep your word. Okay, that's why uh, sometimes, and I've said this before, and I'm careful, not as careful as I should be, but somebody say, hey, can you do something for me? Sure. Whoa. Uh, what do you need? Because you don't want to say yes to something and wind up not want, have, being able to do it because your word is something. We'll ba- boil this down in a minute. Keep going. Next slide. If a person vowed an ox and that ox was wounded or wound up being stronger, or wound up being sickly, or whatever, you didn't switch them. If you promised something to the Lord, you kept your promise. All right, next verse here, Deuteronomy. says, When thou shalt vow a vow unto the Lord thy God, thou shalt not slack to pay it. 
for the Lord thy God will surely require it of thee. And it would be a sin in thee. Next slide. Next part of the verses. But if thou shalt forbear to vow, it shall be no sin to thee. You know what he says? Just don't vow. Remember, this is all voluntary. God's not saying you need to pay 50 shekels of silver just to be a child of God. No. He says, if you're going to make a special commitment to me, it's going to cost you. If you're not ready to pay the, the cost, don't make the promise. God says, listen, you're going to make a vow? Just listen. Just don't make the vow. If you can't keep the vow, just don't make it. But if you keep it and you break your vow, did you see what it said? God considers that a sin. Next part of the, the last part of this verse. That which is gone out of thy lips shalt thou keep and perform. Even a free will offering, according as thou hast vowed unto the Lord thy God, which thou hast promised with thy mouth. God said, better not, just don't make the vow if you don't plan on keeping it. And you know what's funny? God here says, even if it's a free will offering, that's the part that is great. You don't have to give it. But you know what? We could do that. You say, well, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't sure if I was going to give this in the first place, so it's no big deal. Yes, it is a big deal if you made a vow to God. That's what we were talking about. Are you willing to pay the cost of the price to commit to being a part of God's work and his service? It takes commitment, and don't go back on your commitment. And I know there's probably some of us in here, including myself, who have told God that he would do certain things and never did it. Made a vow and said, yes, Lord, yes, pastor, yes, friend, I will do that. Those words came out of our mouth, and we didn't do what we said we were going to do. This is serious business, guys. If you're going to make a promise to God, if you're going to make a commitment, if you're going to make a singular vow, a hard, a difficult, a wonderful promise to God, you better be ready to keep your promise. Or don't make the promise. If you're going to shake hands with me and say, this is a deal, then make it a deal. Don't go back on your word. Okay? All right, my toes are all sucked up in my shoes like this. How about yours? Because I don't want to get my toes stepped on. We've got to be careful if we're going to make a vow to the Lord that we take it seriously. Keep going. Remember, this is a voluntary vow. You don't have to offer it. However, if you do offer it, God says here clearly it's holy. And even if there is some sort of exchange or something different done, even that's holy. God says, listen, even if you happen to make a switch, it's a holy offering. It's something set apart to the Lord. Be careful. It's important. Let's turn to a passage of Scripture that I think we may be familiar with, but it's a great reminder. Because you're saying, oh, pastor, this is just Leviticus, you know, back in the Old Testament. And, boy, we, Dan hit this hard today. It's this morning again, too, that every word of God is measured and important. Just because it's in the Old Testament, you don't write it off and say, ah, that's Old Testament. Who cares about that? Every part of God's word is important. But in Acts, we hear a story. And I know I have 15 written there, but I want to start in the end of 14 to set the, uh, set the context. Okay? Oh, not 14. Five, verse 4, chapter 4. Look at the end of chapter 4. I told you, my reading, I need new bifocals or something today, I'm telling you. All right. The end of chapter 4 gives us an idea of what's going on here. 
Verse 36. And Joseph, who was uh, the, the apostle, sir, was surnamed Barnabas, which is the interpretation, son of consolation, a Levite, and of the council of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. Barnabas did something really cool. He sells uh, a, a bit of land that he had, and takes the money, and gives it to the church. He gives it at the apostles' feet as an offering. That's great. Fantastic. Well, there's another fellow and his wife who thought, we'll get in on the same deal. Okay, we know the story, but let's read it anyway. Ananias and Sapphira. But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira his wife, sold a possession and kept part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. And Peter said to Ananias, Why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after you sold it, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied to men, but to God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost, and great fear came upon all them that heard these things. And the young man rose, wound him up, and carried him out and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in, and Peter said unto her, Tell us, or tell me, excuse me, whether ye sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out. And she fell down straightway at the apostles' feet, and yielded up the ghost. And the young man came in, and found her dead, and carried her forth, and buried her with, by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church, and upon as many as heard these things. Perfect example of what we were talking about in Leviticus. Now please understand, I want to frame this correctly. Even Peter frames it this way. The land was yours in the first place. Nobody asked you to do this. Nobody forced you to sell it. Okay? Once you sold it, all the money was yours. You could have divvied it up however you wanted to divvy it up. But you came to the Lord and said, this is my vow. We are giving you 100% of the cost that we sold this for. And they didn't. And God killed them on the spot for it. Okay, now again, please, I'm not telling you be careful what you put in the offering plate or anything like that. What I'm telling you is this, this is serious business to God. If you vow a vow and speak something out loud about what you're doing for the Lord, you better keep your vow. You don't have to. Nobody here has to pay $10 a week to come into church. Nobody here has to pay all this extra commitment to be involved. We're not forcing any. This is... In your own heart, you are making a commitment to the Lord. And if you make a promise and make a vow, and especially if you speak it aloud. Okay, there's things in our minds. How many of you think about things to do for the Lord all the time? I hope so. I'm always turning things in my mind, what I can do for the Lord. We're not talking about that. But if you stand up and make a public commitment of what you're going to do for the Lord, you better be ready to keep your vow. This is serious business. Last week, the review is it's going to cost you to serve God. If you want to serve Him, you better be ready to put your what's worth into it 
Today's is, if you're ready to serve God, you better make sure if you say you're going to do it, you do it. No messing around, all right? Next slide. Oh, let's look, Ecclesiastes. I'll read this one real quick for you. Ecclesiastes. So if you hit Proverbs, and take a left. Ecclesiastes, what do I have? Four, uh, five, four, and six. Listen to what it says. Four through six. When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it. Sound familiar? For he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better that thou shouldest not vow than that thou shouldest vow and not pay. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. Neither say thou before an angel that I was in error. Wherefore should God be angry at at thy voice and destroy the work of thy hands? God says, please be careful. Better to keep your mouth shut. And don't make a vow, then make a promise, and not keep your vow. All right, this is the focus of this passage of Scripture. Let's move on. Notice it says, uh, what you say you're going to do in all parts of your life. I could make a pause here, I'm not going to read that unless. You know what? I had to learn this the hard way as a father. Your kids pay real close attention to this. Not just your commitment to the Lord, but you ever say to your children you're going to do something and then not do it? Ah, we'll go to the movies. We'll go to the movies tonight. Yeah, let's all go to the movies. And then all of a sudden, something happens, and you're like, I'm sorry, something else happened, and we can't go. Now you say, well, life happens. Yeah, that's true, but you know what your children begin to learn? Your children to begin to learn that your word doesn't mean much. And that when you make promises, you're willing to break them. And you, you know, the car broke down, and we have to do, They begin to understand that the car is more important than them. How about your boss, your employer? If you tell them you're going to do something, and then don't. The issue is trust here, isn't it? If you can't trust the words that are coming out of my mouth, if I continually say things that I don't keep seriously and I don't perform... Um, Y'all know the story about the boy who cried wolf, right? Be careful, because the things that come out of your mouth. Now, why is this important? That's the last line here. Why this is important is because God keeps his word. Man, I tell you, every time I get to a funeral, one of the verses I focus on is Titus chapter 1, verse 2, where it says, God, which cannot lie, promised before the world began. You know why God wants us to not speak vows and not keep them? Because every word that God speaks, he keeps. And we represent him. You and I go out in this world and we have the opportunity to represent our God, our Savior. We wear the name of Christ upon us as Christians. And boy, we had better make sure that the words we speak are something that we mean. That if I'm going to make a commitment, I keep my commitment. Why? Because that's what my God does for me. That's why so often, again, if you were in Sunday school this morning, we were reminded of this again. This is the truth of God's word. It is absolute. It is sure. No changing, no altering. If God said it, and that's a... How many of y'all remember that bumper sticker? It said, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. 
It was a cute little bumper sticker, right? Well, you know, that's great, but you know what? God said it, that settles it. It doesn't matter if you believe it or not. When God speaks something, it is what he said. And that's what we're doing. We're reflecting our God and our Savior to men. Don't vow a vow and not keep your vow. Yeah, well, you know, I sold it, so I only gave you half the profit. Don't tell them you gave all the cost. Don't make it up. Don't lie. Just be truthful. Because that's what God is. He is the truth. And he wants us to be truthful. He doesn't break a promise. He doesn't lie. That's what he wants to see in his people. Okay, next slide. Notice, and okay, so an unclean beast. So we move on to the next verse. If it be an unclean beast, of which they do not offer a sacrifice unto the Lord, he shall present it, uh, the beast, before the priests, and the priest shall value it, whether it be good or bad, as thou valuest it. Who art the priest? So shall it be. And look at verse 13. And if he will redeem it, then he shall add a fifth part thereof unto thine estimation. Okay, you think, okay, pastor, what are we talking about now? Okay, remember, again, I'm not going to flip all the way back in Leviticus to talk about this, but there were certain beasts and animals that were welcomed in the tabernacle. They were clean. There were certain beasts that were unclean and you could not bring to the tabernacle, right? Okay, case in point, let's pick one that's real easy for all of us to understand. A pig. How many of us know that uh, the Jews at that time had nothing to do with pigs and pork? Okay, couldn't do it. So what happens if uh, I happen to own a pig farm and I want to bring one of my beasts to the Lord? I'm out of luck, right? I can't, I can't offer God anything because all I got is pig. Can't question why you got pig if you're a Jew, I don't understand. But anyway, and God says, listen, I've even made a loophole for that. If you can't bring your beast to be used in the tabernacle, you bring your beast and the priest will look at that beast and say, this is how much that beast is worth. Pay us the money and that will be counted as your sacrifice. Isn't that awesome? That even if all of a sudden you're thinking, I don't know what to do about this old life, Lord, I'm a mess. I got nothing good to offer. How many of actually do think we have something to offer God in the first place? Most of the time I look at my life and go, Lord, I can't, I can't believe you would want to use somebody like me. But you know what? God says, listen, it's a value. Let's, let's estimate what it's worth. So maybe you couldn't exactly bring that pig, but you could still participate in the service of God. How awesome is that? Now, there's a side principle here I want us to see. And this is the key to this. Look if you would. Oh, well, don't. If you don't own a clean beast, you can still offer what it's worth to God. Now, next slide. The priest would determine the worth that it should be paid to the Lord. However, it needed to be redeemed with a double tithe. God will serve you. Now, this is some amazing stuff here. Um, If it was something that was unclean, it needed to be redeemed. Don't miss this. If you're going to serve the Lord and it's, it's unclean, you, there's a redemption that needs to take place. Now, 
I could go a lot into what we've already studied in the book of Leviticus, but I want this to be understood. There are hundreds, yea, thousands of people right now on a Sunday morning who are all around this country trying in the name of God to serve him. But they're unclean beasts. Now again, I'm not casting, I was. How many of us were? Not one of us were clean. We were all messed up, weren't we? And what you need before anything else happens is to be redeemed. Then your life is worth something to God and he can use you. There are a lot of people around this world who think they're doing something for the Lord, but unless they have met Jesus Christ, the Redeemer, and applied his blood and his sacrifice to their lives and become a Christian, a born again, a forgiven, back in relationship with God, God says, listen, if you got an unclean beast, don't expect him to be used in the tabernacle unless it's redeemed. I love that. Did we just sing a song? Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Aren't you glad you're redeemed? Because God can use you. I used to be a miserable, rotten, Gentile, unclean beast. And God redeemed me. And now I'm worth something to him. Man, I try to keep the tears in. What a privilege we have to serve. Keep going. It will cost you. Keep going. Next slide. The principle, to be in the service of God, the unclean must be redeemed. Remember, now this is, the key, this is an amazing part to me. This was for any Jew. You could be from the tribe of Dan or Naphtali or Asher or, you know, Simeon. How many tribes could actually serve in the tabernacle we're studying the book of leviticus right there was only one group of people who could actually serve so if you were the tribe of simeon you'd walk up and go or you know naphtali if you were one of these other tribes of dan and you said i want to go serve in that you couldn't serve in the tabernacle you weren't a levite but that doesn't mean that god didn't want you to commit to the service of God. He wants every single person to commit to God's service. So, how many of you, and me, can go to the mission field tomorrow? Okay, all our hands are like, or go pastor our church tomorrow. Go leave, listen, not all of us can serve directly in the, in the tabernacle, can we? Okay? We may not necessarily be able to go into, and this is a tricky word, and Dan will start covering this a little bit when we get into the end, a little later into the Timothys, full-time service. Okay? It's tricky because every one of us are in full-time service, but it's also tricky because there are some who have don't completed, completely surrendered their lives to be supported by the gospel. Okay? There's a difference between the two. I'm not going to get into teaching that. Show up in Sunday schools. Dan will cover that. Okay? Probably... 10 months from now or something. But, <laughs> so, but understand something. Even though I can't surrender and go to the mission field, I can't pick up everything and leave and, and be totally supported by the gospel, that doesn't mean that every one of us, God doesn't want 100% of our life. 
these guys from these different tribes couldn't go into the tabernacle and serve, but they could come up and say, here's my 50 shekels because I'm willing to serve however God wants me to do it. Now, there's a, an interesting principle here. Okay, That's why you have to be born a priest. Now, as the church goes, how many of us are priests? All of us. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are a priest. Okay, So you're not exiled from ministry. Back then, only one group of people could be priests, and that were Levites. Nobody else could. Okay, But the picture here is you have to be a priest to be able to serve. Go back to what we just talked about. If you're unclean, you're disqualified. But if you get redeemed, you become a priest, you can serve. I'm telling you, it gives me goosebumps. Here we go. God wants all of you. Maybe you can't serve him full time. And please, that term is tricky. Okay, We are all serving him every moment of every day. But when you surrender to be part of God's gospel and you're solely, wholeheartedly depending upon that for God's support. Okay, Many can't. But he still wants you, doesn't he? Okay, everybody's going to sleep on me. Okay, anybody, anybody here a dentist? I'll pick on somebody that I don't know. You're a dentist. You are happy that God had made you a dentist and that's who you want to be. You're not willing to pack up and go to Guatemala, but you know what? You can still go before the Lord and say, Father, I'm 100% yours and I'm willing to do whatever it is. I, I may not be able to go, but you have all of me. Just because I can't be right smack in the middle of service like that in leadership doesn't mean that I'm not willing to give my whole heart to you, Lord. That's what we're talking about. Now, there's an interesting thing in our armed forces. This is cool that, that God brings this out. Um, there's those who need, uh, those who give so that others can go. Okay, this is called the other end of the spear. I don't know if you've ever heard this term before. Okay, Dan probably is more familiar with it. Called tooth to tail. Uh, I just put this up. Here's the point. You can read it behind me. I'm not going to get into the whole describing the military part. For every frontline soldier, there is on average eight support military so that they can be out there. Okay? In some of our, our military uh, exercises, it's been up to 12 or 15, that it takes 12 people behind the scenes for one soldier to be on the front line. Okay? Sometimes it's been less than that. But the issue is there are always people behind the scenes in support roles for those who are up front fighting the battle. This is what God is talking about here in Leviticus. Okay, you 12 tribes of Israel, only one of you qualify to be able to actually be in the tabernacle working there, but the rest of you 11 could be in a support role to make sure it's getting done. And that's what we need to understand as Christians. That's what missions is based on. We send missionaries all over the world. We can't go, but we support them. David has an interesting thing. Go to the next slide. So there's this whole elaborate story, and I didn't write all it down because I, I didn't have enough slides. <laughs> but David takes mighty men to go fight, and he leaves 200 people behind to stay by the stuff. Okay, It says abide by the stuff. Okay, so he, he says, you guys stay here, stay with us, we're going to go ahead and we're going to do this military action that needs to be taken care of. And when they get back, those guys who went and fought say, all right, 
we need to divide the spoils amongst us. Okay, so we, we get, after this warfare, we conquered them, we bring great, uh, brought back great riches. And we need to di- divide all these riches up to take home to our families. You with me so far? Okay, but some of the people who had the wrong idea about how God works said, wait a second, why should these people who didn't go fight, who stayed by the stuff, get part of that? Only those who went out on the front line should get part of that. But that's not how God works. Listen to this. David said, then David, then said David, ye shall not do so, my brethren, with that which the Lord has given us, who hath uh, preserved us and delivered the company that came against us into thy hand. For who will hearken unto you in this matter, but as his part is that goeth down to the battle, so is his part that, uh, that tarrieth by the stuff. They shall part alike. Next slide. I didn't know if I'd put another verse or not. Okay. The point being, David says, no. Some of us went out to battle, but others of us stayed behind the scenes in a support role. We all get to split. We all get the benefits. We all get the bounty. You remember the Apostle Paul said, he says, um, I'm wanting you to give to these other churches, in, you know, you churches in Macedonia and others to give to Jerusalem. Why? Because God will put it on your account. You will be partakers of the blessing. So here's the point that's being taught in Leviticus chapter 27. Not all of us will be able to go and be right on the front lines. But if you step up and are in a support role, you get the same benefit of it. You know, and I, I can't explain it, I can't understand it, I won't even try. Dan reminded us of the speculation thing, so I'm going to stand over here and speculate for just a second. Okay? According to what God's Word is telling us, you and I have given to a missionary, a missions in India and missions in Africa and missions in Guam and missions in other places of the world, and someday when we get to heaven, we're going to receive the fruit, the benefit of our gifts to those missions. But we weren't there talking to those people. No, we were the ones who stayed by the stuff, but we all become partners in God's work. So God in Leviticus is saying here, listen, you may not be able to serve in the tabernacle, but you can still be a part of the ministry. And don't suspect because you're not the one on the foreign field who's actually leading people to Christ that you're left out. You become a partner in that ministry. That's why this is so important. This aspect of how much am I, what is it worth? And so we're sitting here going, well, we're just in a little town in Surrey in a little church. And yeah, but that doesn't matter. If God, if you're giving God your all, he is going to use you in ways you don't even understand. Maybe you will be the person who actually leads somebody to Christ and teaches them. Maybe, because you're willing to give of your whole self, that God's going to use portions of what you give, financially, time, whatever it might be, and you become a partner in that person becoming a Christian. It's the other end of the spear, guys. It's tail to tooth. There are many of us who in heaven will be introduced to believers that we had a part in getting there. Not because we shed the word, but, but we sent support. 
God is very clear on this. We are a team, and that's why I wrote this this way. We become full partners in his serve. I don't think that's right. Okay, even if you're not on the front lines, he doesn't need your money. He wants your life. So again, the focus of this chapter is what are you willing to give enabled in order to serve God? Well, pastor, I'd like to come and serve. Maybe, uh, you know, God has something for me to do here. Bethel, good, 50 shekels. <laughs> no, but you understand, you don't walk up going, all right, wait till you don't understand how I'm going to bless this ministry. Just let me loose and you, you know, watch what, no. We approach and say, you know what? This is such a privilege to be able to work for God that I'm willing to give her whatever it takes to be a part of it. Now, I don't know what that is. Do you? Because what you give is different. What I give, we all become partners. Remember, we read the verse last week, and I didn't put it back up there, but it says that we give what we can give, not what is expected. If you have much, maybe much will be required. If you have little, little will be required. But we are, you're given as the Lord led, leads upon every heart. So that's why I love this, guys. Do you see the potential here? This is an amazing thing. If you and I would surrender and give God what he's worth to be able to be a part of his ministry, who knows what he's going to do? I don't. But you plug into something and watch God work. And someday, um, I hadn't thought of it till just now it popped into my mind. There was a song we used to sing all the time in missions conferences called Thank You for Giving to the Lord. I don't know if you ever remember it. But it says, uh, I went to heaven and uh, all of a sudden all these people were coming up to me and giving me hugs and thanking me and, and falling on my neck and crying. And the basis behind it is, thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed because of what you did in giving to, to provide for someone else to come to our country and preach the gospel. I'm in heaven today because we get a chance to participate. So never underestimate. Never think yourself less capable of serving God. Each one of us can give what God asks us to give and we become partners in his work. What a privilege. It's an amazing thing. Last slide, I think. So then, so they knew that they could not serve in the tabernacle, but they gave their lives like they could. Lord, I don't know what you got for me to do, and maybe I can't pack up everything and move to a foreign field, but I'm going to serve you just like I could. I'm going to give it all. Is your heart fully offered to the service of God? That's the question today. I hope the answer is yes. What does that mean? I don't know. Okay, we sent uh, Dr. Pepper, and I love, I know that sounds funny, but our, our uh, Pepper, he was my professor in college, he decided at 70 years old to go to the mission field in Sierra Leone. He had been a missionary in Korea for years and decided to go to the missionary, break open a new field at 70 years old. So you're never too old to serve. Just are you willing? 
Is your heart fully surrendered? Lord, I don't care what it costs. I'm in. I hope so. Again, please, if you're grabbing onto your wallet asking, thinking I'm asking for an offering plate money, I'm not. I'm reminding us what a privilege it is to serve God, but he wants those who are committed who understand that there's a cost. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I am amazed again that you have decided that human beings are going to be the vessels that you would use to serve this world, to glorify Christ, to preach the gospel. But Father, you designed a system. What a privilege, what an amazing thing. So Father, I just pray that you would lay upon our hearts what an amazing opportunity it is, but Lord, that it's going to cost us. Father, help us to be cautious and, and, and weary about making promises that, that we're not willing to keep, that we don't vow a vow and break it. And Lord, it's not the fact that we're missing out or a fact that we owe you. Lord, you keep your word. You never break a promise. You always are truthful. You never lie. And Father, we reflect who you are. So Lord, if we're going to speak words, let them be truthful words. If we're going to make vows, let them be commitments that we're willing to keep. And then Father, what an amazing thought that we are in a partnership. Lord, that we get to be a part of the service. Lord, whether we're serving in the tabernacle, we're staying by the stuff, whether we're on the front lines or we're support, Lord, you remind us that we're all a part of this together. And so, Father, I just pray that uh, it starts with our own hearts. Lord, that we're willing, whatever the cost is, to say, Father, I will do whatever it is you're asking me. It might be a small cost, it might be a great one, but it really doesn't matter. If you own all of us, none of that really holds any weight. When you have it all, we're willing to give it all. So, Father, thank you again. We love you. What an amazing time we have to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen.